0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.
1: I'm Sean McInerney. I'm Group Vice President of Technology with HUGE. And what I love about retail innovation is the fact that it's an intersection of digital and physical. It's things that I can go with to the mall with my kids. They can see things I've created. We can actually move the needle on different products, and we can see it affecting the lives of everyday people. You're listening
0: to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location. Here are your hosts.
2: Sean, welcome to the show. We're here on location at the Leeds Summit in Brooklyn, New York. I guess technically Williamsburg, New York, and uh, just outside of New York City. And we are so happy to have you on the show. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. It's great. Uh, How has the lead been so far for you?
1: It's been nice. It's been, uh, it was a little chilly this morning down in there, but I think the uh, speakers and the insights and kind of the candor that they've been giving has been uh, really refreshing. Uh, you know, seeing this difference between true startups or startups within large organizations, it's a good juxtaposition of people's point of views and where they've come from.
2: Great. Uh, let's start out with this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it that you personally do at HUGE? How is the role you have connect with, let's call it, the future of retail?
1: Sure. So in Huge, we have a retail practice that's focused on a retail vertical. And we define retail by anything that's direct to consumer. So I lead the uh, technology arm of the retail practice, and my charge is to help companies figure out ways to get technology into their retail experience, whether that's in-store analytics, whether that's modeling of shopper behavior, whether that's a new product or a way to deliver a new service. We look at what's the technology behind that, how to put that out, and then more importantly, how to support it and scale it uh, as it becomes more and more successful. How do you think you play into the
2: overall ecosystem uh, beyond the things that you said? How are are you fitting into the story of each Mm -hmm. brand?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, in each... Each brand has a different challenge. I mean, retail overall has a overall challenge. You know, I'm sure you've heard the term "retail apocalypse" and things right. like many that many times. And you know, that's honestly, it's simply not true. There are more stores opening than closing. But for the sake of conversation, it's brands realizing that they have to change. Amazon has changed the face of retail. Commodity brands, you know, if you look at Sears and Toys R Us and things like that, they didn't move fast enough. So we help brands work to figure out what do they need to do, where can they pivot, and then me specifically come to the conversation to say, well, here are the pieces and the parts that you need to have in order to pull this off, and then organizationally, what do you have and what do you need in order to make this happen at scale? And then Huge as a partner can fill in the gaps as necessary, but our goal basically is to eventually work ourselves out of a job and leave somebody with a self-sustaining program going forward.
3: What kind of clients are you most excited to work with and why?
1: See, so, yeah, one of the reasons I love Agency World is because I can work with a whole variety of yeah. clients and verticals. Um, you know, so the CPG groups are, mm-hmm. are some of the really exciting ones because they touch everybody, um, and they have so many different varieties of the ways that they sell their product. So every place is a different challenge. Okay. The fashion brands and the, uh, the retailers – consistently have more and more increasing challenges you know they need to speak more directly to a very target audience and they're figuring out who that audience is best way to talk to them and the best way to deliver their message in a physical setting right. so that's always a fun challenge and helping to find that and build that
3: so you work both with uh, their digital presence and also their physical presence and from the g- digital perspective right can yes. you unfold yeah. that a little bit
1: it's hard in this day and age you know, you've heard the term omni-channel right and um You know, that really is kind of a a cobbled together definition of multiple ways to talk to the same person. So it's very difficult to say we're going to have an amazing digital presence and experience, but then not do anything in the physical store itself. Mm. Or we're going to create this whole system and iconography and this loyalty program. That's really going to get you invested in the brand. But then when I walk into a store, it's going to be, hey, who are you? And you're like, well, I just spent half an hour on your website. You should know who I am. You should know what I want when I walk into right. the store. So we look at it in kind of the entire ecosystem of it. You know, my remnant is technology, but now technology applies itself to you know so many different parts of the experience. And even from the boring part of like you know supply chain management and direct-to-consumer distribution, right. To exciting you know touch screens and vending machines and things like that they're all kind of get connected in the back of the organization absolutely sean
2: what do you think the most so you're going to come across brands and retailers that mm-hmm. that, that that you're excited to work with and then there's going to be something you come across with that, that you're concerned whether working with them is going to be productive
4: Right. Uh, right.
2: Not because you aren't doing a good job, but it could be the trajectory that that brand is on, maybe unsalvageable. Yeah. Uh, It may be that they've got such a strong public presence that it defies the changes they must make in order to succeed. Yeah. Uh, But kind of looking at that and the things that you've seen in the ones that may be difficult to fix, what are those brands doing wrong?
1: I think the uh, number one is just uh, reluctance to change.
4: Right. Um, some of these brands have been around for
1: so long. Yeah. They've been doing the same thing. Um, the people have made the money at the top of the, of the heap, and it's very difficult for them to embrace and understand what the change is. A lot of them have such a large uh, real estate footprint and investment in old ways of doing business, big box stores, uh, anchor tenants at malls, that they're kind of saddled with these real estate investments that don't give them a lot of capital to move uh, as quickly as possible. Um, so you get some of those ones, and you know I mentioned Sears, and you know you look at Kmart and things like that. You know they were an old way of doing business. Um, you know, the department store that serviced a community and had one of everything is a difficult business to transform because people don't seek that type out anymore. Uh, if you look at where Jason Penney tried probably seven, eight years ago, where they were going to create these neighborhoods, you know, um, it was kind of a spectacular failure in the news, but I don't think it really got a fair shot, but that was trying to reinvent what a department store was. Yeah. You know, one other challenge we see is people that, are always on the value chain. Um, So the reason to shop at this store is because you save X, Y, and Z. That starts to commoditize and kind of negate the premium brand and feel, which makes it harder for them to do innovative initiative things other than faster ways to get you coupons.
2: Interesting. You know, you got to look at stories like Sears as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, Such a longstanding, iconic brand with many, many physical stores. Right. And and, uh, and um, a longstanding online presence also. Um, and I look at I look at brands, uh, retailers like Macy's, for example. Mm-hmm. Macy's, huge, iconic brand, mm-hmm. many stores, um, seems too big to fail. Right. And yet when you go in stores like the one on 34th Street mm-hmm. in New York, I still walk in now and I go, what is this store? Like, yeah. I don't understand what they're thinking. Right. It just seems like someone just kind of just tossed everything yeah. out there and just <laughs> hopes that, you know, and I mean, maybe it's working, but it's hard to see that. So I'm not picking on Macy's here. And sure. What I'm saying is, is, it demonstrates that if you don't get with it, right, right, you, you, it's, everything's just moving
1: yeah. on. Yeah, well, and that store you're mentioning, Macy's, is actually probably the, the best one because it's, yes. it's iconic, and people come there just to visit it. Exactly. Um, if you look at maybe a Macy's in Tampa or a Macy's oh, yeah, in, point. in Houston, uh, I was in one the other day, actually, um, and a quarter of one of their floor plates was devoted to mattresses, and there was nobody there, and... Not if what I'm, I think of when I think of Macy's, by the way. Yeah, you know, well, exactly. And it's, you know, it's a giant footprint. They're paying, you know, 20, 30 bucks a foot for this to service mattresses. Whereas across the street was a Casper store. There was a Purple store down the road. Uh, you know, there was a mattress firm right around the corner. And as a consumer, if I'm going to buy a mattress, generally I'm going to go to the mattress store. Yeah. Or you know, nowadays, I might just have it shipped to me in a box. Doesn't uh, seem like an impulse item. No, it's not, right? And it, yeah. yeah. But the only reason I would probably go into Macy's to buy a uh, mattress would be that, oh, here's a 30% off coupon. Right. So now I'm using them as a value retailer, but I'm eroding everything uh, against that. So I'm eroding their uh, return on investment. I'm eroding their profitability. I'm eroding how much it's actually cost them to physically put those beds into their store. And that kind of model doesn't fit anymore. And if you look at where Sears was, you know, back in the day, they were the only outposts in a lot of communities where you could buy everything. Um, and they had the best quality products. They were made in America. Part of their challenge, I think, and some of the other challenges is, is that model has been diluted. There's more competition. And then the price points of everything have kind of dropped. And sure. so well, we'll people look, are buying more.
2: Back then, it was harder to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. So going to one place to get everything you need made right. real sense. Right. Now, not only is it easier to get places... You don't even have to go anywhere. Right. You can have it all just. Sent there's to. always so Amazon. You
4: don't yeah.
1: need a place that has everything. Right. The internet is your store. Yes, yeah. and well, and you also get the benefit of everybody else's reviews and ratings totally. and experience with the brand. True. You know, so if I purchase something on Amazon, I may not be aware of the brand, but if it's got a five-star review and six thousand ratings, yeah. cool, I'll take a chance. Yeah, you trust it um, more. You know, there's a brand uh, that I, I'm I'm fond of, Anchor, A-N-K-E-R, uh-huh. and they launched on Amazon. They were a value brand on Amazon. That was their only e-commerce channel. And they have built a following because of good products, good reviews and fair price. And now you can actually buy their stuff outside of Amazon, which is kind of a, a, ironic because most people get on Amazon and that's where they stay. And Nobody launches from that platform.
3: Wow. So what about experience now? Because, mm-hmm. um, Everything is going, especially with the millennials and Gen Z. Like, How yes. experience can be something that can be incorporated both in the digital and yeah. offline experience? I,
1: I think it's it's key. It's tantamount. People remember and buy experiences and services even more than the product. And if you look at some of the, uh, the new concepts that are coming out, like Nordstrom Local, for example. Right. There's not even product in the store, really. You know, it's all about service and measuring and tailing and personalization i need to get to know you and then you'll have that confidence that the product you're getting is there Um, there's another one that's just opened up called pet coach which is a spinoff of petco and it is yes you can buy your dog food and your toys but there's grooming and boarding and veterinarian full service it's it's full service right and you walk in and it it's an upscale experience in words from local feels like you're going into you know a small boutique in beverly hills and Petco is like a Whole Foods feel, very earthy and very high end, whereas, you know, a traditional Petco or a pet supermarket is very much tall aisles, empty warehouse, come in, grab it and go. So they're really doubling down on the experience because they have to compete with the much smaller uh, startups. And there was a quote from here that said, you know, the startups don't have to ask for forgiveness or permission, whereas the larger, more established ones do. And so these sure. companies are trying you know with new brands with new experiences to, to try to find that magic touch that then that they can capitalize on And you have to remember too these big companies have the distribution and the organization and the financing to do this at scale if they can find the right magic levers to pull
3: totally yeah
2: let's switch it up a little bit to what retailers are doing right okay or brands yes as retailers are doing right so when someone's Maybe someone's never done working with you, but when it's reached a critical mm-hmm, mass mm-hmm. where progress has really been made yeah what kinds of things have yeah. those companies implemented that might really change their course yeah
1: so I, I think you know we like to refer to it as like really a, a maturation of a of a project or a product that we've started um, and a lot of that becomes Apparent once we've laid in a foundation, once we've got something working, where we can actually service and, and get the product to the consumer, and then it becomes around analytics and modeling of what the consumer is. And then, you know either it's it's relatively easy online because I can measure clicks and, and interest, and if you've downloaded my app, I know everything about you. But now we're working on the, on the physical side of, of something, too. And we're working with the term that we call anonymous loyalty, whereas just by ca- crossing the lease line and coming into my store, I can start to understand who you are. I can start to reward you for being in there. And so I can use the new technology that exists with uh, computer vision and traffic counting and analytics to understand heat maps. But am I skewing more male? Am I skewing more female? Are there groups? Are there families? Are they happy uh, to come in? Is the line starting to back up? Can the store now use the intelligence built in from the technology to inform the associates of what they need to do next? And that's, I think, where you'll start to see the maturation of this, uh, at scale, yeah. of this technology.
2: So getting back to your company, Huge, mm-hmm. uh, you, you're, unpack that a little bit. What is the scope of what you do? So, Because you're, you're not just... A consultant, no, no. You're a consulting no. firm. You're 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 also a technology partner. Yes. You're a true partner. Right. You're best friends for life.
1: We're you know so we started as really a digital experience company back in 1999 here in Brooklyn, and we had an ironic name. Huge. There were three people in an apartment. <laughs> so, uh, you know now we're 1,200 people give or take, and a global. So we do everything. About from about to change their name to Tiny. Yeah, yeah. there already is a Tiny, <laughs> ironically. Yeah, yeah, I know, because we were partnered with them at one point in time, huge and tiny. It was, it was interesting.
2: So cute. I'm huge. I'm tiny.
1: Um, but so we we look at really everything. We focus everything on the user, and that could be you as a consumer. It could be the employee back of house. It, it, we think if you focus on the user that great things will happen all around. You know, you'll know, you make more money. You'll have a better experience. You'll have a stickier Uh, reputation. You can kind of increase the pedigree of of your brand. And so the way that we look at it is I'm going to look at everything from the user experience. When you walk into my store, if you're on my digital channel, if I'm talking to you in media, um, Mm -hmm. billboards, traditional TV, and we wind all that together in one comprehensive strategy and package. So We're happy to be consultants and work with internal people. So it's a bit of
2: a la carte where you can get the whole shebang.
1: Or the whole shebang. We love it as much as we can get our hands on. And generally, we may start with a tactical ask and expand uh, into other pieces. But we kind of feel that we employ very, very smart people, and we're very well-connected and interconnected, so we can kind of give a a perspective that's broad enough but actually actionable enough at scale to make it happen uh, for our clients.
2: Great. Uh, So coming up, uh, you'll hear Sean share some of the innovations and technologies that his company is not only employing, but has their eye on. Yes. Right after this, on location at the Lead Summit in Williamsburg, New York. We'll be right back. Entrepreneista.
0: A woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the Conversations on the entrepreneista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entreprenista podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must hear real life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at EntrepreneuristaPodcast.com.
2: So, Sean, uh, you're really working as a full-service, full, full service, whole shebang partner with your brands. It's often involving you as a technology partner, both providing technology and, I'm assuming, conne- uh, having your ear to the ground of innovation that's out there and connecting your clients with those opportunities. Mm-hmm. What's really catching your attention these days, What uh, what's exciting to huge about uh, technology solutions that are now being implemented and maybe the things that are, you're seeing on the horizon that say next year, you're kind of rubbing your hands together saying, I can't wait to start implementing yeah, this.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we operate a cafe in our Atlanta office. It's public facing cafe and it's our test bed for new and emerging technologies. So it gives mm, us the permission. Great, idea. Nice. It gives us permission to really screw around with whatever we want. And the, uh, the, The benefit we can learn and the penalty, if it's wrong, is very limited, right? So we love to test things, learn things, and then bring those to our clients uh, on our own dime. And it's a public-facing cafe, so it's not just our own people using it. So we look at a lot of different things. What you're
2: saying is is the cafe is an operational cafe, and what you're using it is is a testing ground for different technology. That's pretty neat. Do, do, Do the people that are coming to the cafe know that this is what's happening?
1: They do, and that's a unique challenge because if you think about the websites you visit now, and it's like you need to accept the cookies and do you get permission, et cetera. We have to translate that into a physical world, right? You know, there's no agreement of walking into a coffee shop that says, "I opt out of everything." But those are challenges that we're working on, and our legal team is constantly, constantly reviewing to make sure that we're not only have the right answer for our particular usage, but what does that mean for our consumers as well? It's a very gray area at this point. Um, But we are doing things, you know, so some of the things that really excite me about what we're doing is uh, vision analytics of consumers coming in. So we Uh look at traffic patterns, we look at um, facial expressions, we have cameras that are mounted around that are eye level that look at uh, age, emotion, gender, um, expression, and then we correlate that with our Wi-Fi traffic with our point of sale data and then we mash it all together with our data science team to figure out what can we start to model what can we move the needle on and you know we're a small operation so it's great because we can tweak the dial here and twist the knob there and we can start to see movement relatively quickly Um, so that's a lot of fun we we started that about a year and a half ago and uh, have been just continuously improving and tweaking that. We're working a lot now with um, location-based services. And in our cafe, we get a, uh, um, you know, kind of a pass because we have an order head app for our uh, employees. So we know when they come in. We know exactly who they are. Mm. But looking at expanding that to the public, looking at expanding that to uh, um, a couple of colleges and universities that are nearby, so we can start to model that as well. Great idea, yeah. And the challenge with that is is uh, not... Giving you a reason to engage with us, that's not a pure discount. You know, here's a free coffee or what have you. Um, And then we're working with context-specific display. So you come in and you're a male. If you come in if you're a female, if you're happy, unhappy, group or kids, what can we show you digitally that can help spark your interest or maybe – engage you to buy that next uh, donut or add-on to your uh, total ticket. And those are things we want to learn and experiment with on our own dime and how we're doing it in order to uh, then inform our clients to say, look, we've tried this. This technology is sound. These are the challenges we had. We think it's a good idea to scale to a pilot market or even further. That's so, amazing, you know, yeah. really, the computer vision analytics I think are, are, are fascinating. I think it, you, you brought up a point, like, it does become a little bit of a big brother uh, type effect. Um, but if you think about it, there's security cameras recording us wherever we go. Of course. They, there are a lot of things that we take for granted any day. I think it's when you action on it. So much. There's, there's so many things. Scarier. There's so
2: many things happening in retail stores that we don't know what's happening. Yes. Yeah, I, I think about um, this. Have you heard of this company called Listener? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Listener, you yeah. familiar with Listener, yes, Natalia? Where they're and for the for our Listener, uh, if you're not familiar with Listener, which I believe is L I S N R, it's uh, they're putting out an ultra high frequency. Information through their speakers in the mm-hmm, store mm-hmm. that can be res- and using it to communicate data to your phone yep. in a way that is really unique yep. and allows a increased experience while collecting tremendous data. Yeah, it's uh, really innovative.
1: Well, and it's it's so surreptitious you don't know. But I, if you exactly. think about like Disney and their Magic Bands, people oh. spend extra money to be tracked in the park yep. because it enhances their experience. And yes. so. You know, our, the other challenge that we, we face and I think is really interesting is, um, and I think the travel and uh, groups have got it well, is what does a loyalty program look like uh, that's not just a discount for sure. a retailer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But what are the extra experience. experiences? How do you know me? How do I walk <laughs> into your store and it's like, oh, welcome, Sean. Here are these things that we think you might like because we know your habits and your purchases and everything. Great. And I don't have to reintroduce myself every single time. So looking at your operation, you
2: started as, I think you said, three people in an apartment.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh, how big a team are you now? So we're uh, 1,200 plus globally. Wow. And we've got 12 offices. You're one of the, founder? I one of the not, founders? I am not, no. Um, I've been at huge a uh, little over five years now. Gotcha. So I came when the Atlanta office was founded. Yeah. Ah. And um, so
2: uh, how? So some of your technology is internally innovated. Mm-hmm. Some of this is because you're out there scoping out what's available and, in some cases, potentially acquiring it, mm-hmm. in some cases, learning from it, uh, in some cases, partnering with mm-hmm. it or licensing it, uh, what have you. Um, all of that is correct. Yeah, so, correct. my question is with 1,200 people globally, lots of cities to cover, what, how is someone going to get their, your attention with their new technology innovation?
1: what's the... uh, yeah so events like this you know are good uh-huh. we attend a lot of conferences industry conferences uh, to see what's out there um, mm-hmm. you know we have a lot of partnerships we've created over the years and those are the tried and true tested products that we're willing to recommend um, there are things that we at Hughes are good at and there's things we don't want to do. Um, and so we look to find the products and the and the vendors that can support that for us. Interesting. But then also do it correctly so we don't inadvertently uh, leave our clients with something that didn't work. And sure. so, you know, there's a um, different uh, industry verticals and publications and things that we all subscribe to that kind of keep us on the pulse of what's out there and what's new.
2: Given the, uh, just the rapid, number of new innovations that are out there and, and, and the changing landscape, with 1,200 uh, people as a part of the company in different geographical areas, mm-hmm. how do you keep a team that large aligned with not only where things are and how the company is thinking about a particular mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. type of innovation or technology, but also when someone in LA discovers new innovation that's mm-hmm. available in, in, in a, com- a cool company and is starting to integrate and they're, they're in the process of trying to acquire that company, let's say. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, as a company, you're trying to do that. How do you communicate that to the rest of the company with it with that number of people involved yeah. to make sure that everyone is on the same page and not interfering with those types of forward movement with that number of moving parts out in yeah, the world.
1: Yeah, and time zones and different yeah. markets, everything's a challenge. Um so we have, you know, communication tools. We have a few of them we use. We actually have an internal platform that we call Honey, which we spun off into its own company a few years ago. Oh, cool. And so that is... Very familiar um, with Honey. You're familiar with Honey. Okay. <laughs> so we use that a lot in order for internal communications to build back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. So you can subscribe to different channels and offices and interests and verticals. So we'll post is on there a guy in my office uh ben every monday he posts motion monday for example and it's awesome just clips of cool things he found on the internet that are interesting to people with motion video you know interest so we'll do that uh from the technology perspective every week we have um pretty much an all hands that we'll dial into from around the, the world um and talk about what's going on. And then we have worked very, very, uh, and it's easier these days with Slack and other things like that to keep sure. different individual channels going yeah. um, in perpetuity. So it's not you know this massive email thread you're looking for. It's things you can search and look at. So between those tools and then uh, the one-to-one communications, we work to do that a lot. But there's also, we'll have summits twice, three times a year. Where we'll come together and people will give you know case studies of projects they've been working on products that they were working on how did that work out and so that way we can kind of stay on top of uh what the other offices are doing because we don't want to inadvertently recommend a technology that's been tried on another project and it didn't work for the intended purpose or they may not know we have a partnership with another group um Mm -hmm. and i've had that a couple times like oh you know hey we're working with your la office oh you need to talk to this person etc etc yeah so (laughs) we try to stay on top It, it gets harder but i think You know, it's probably never been easier, as of now, to keep everybody on the same page. But just Mm -hmm. the time difference in, you know, we we fly around a lot, too. Well, frankly,
2: too, with these great tools, it also means people are moving faster. Mm -hmm. Which makes it harder to keep up with everyone because they're moving so fast.
1: But, you know, I do think that there's really, you can't beat jumping on an airplane and just going to meet people face-to-face. Sure. Uh, And that can take a long time and be expensive. So this is a great... Piece, but we do try to get together as often as we can because then we can have much more. But then, you, once you have a beer with somebody or some coffee with somebody, then yeah. you know now you got an idea of who they are, what they're good at, and how you can you know engage with them in the future.
3: Sean, to me, innovation in retail goes hand in hand with innovation in uh, sustainability, and um, by sustainability, I mean sustainable growth of the company but also sustainable um, development of the industry that companies in. and And even the customer, educating the customer and um, kind of inspiring customer to be more conscious about what they're choosing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you incorporate that in your
4: work?
1: Yeah. So, you know, there's a few facets to that, I think. Um, every retailer is trying to get to know their consumer much more on a personal level. And Mm -hmm. the more successful they become at that, the more they have to manage individual personas. So there's a part of operations and and thinking and data and marketing that has to come to grips with, this is what we're going to do. Once you create this type of value with a customer, it has a real intrinsic value, so you can't stop doing it Mm -hmm. Um, or it it can become damaging to the brand. Um, if you think about Sky Miles, for example, you know, anytime they change that program, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, because people depend on that. They depend on their medallion status and their free vacations. Sure. So, for sustainability, for an organization that really wants to introduce this into it and has reached a point where we're now announcing it to the world and it's going to be mature. They have to be prepared to support that on the back end of it.
4: Totally. We
1: also have clamoring for more visibility into the products. You know, you see that a lot with, you know, coffee, single source, organic coffee, fair trade coffee. Chocolate is another one. But Mm -hmm. then in the fashion world, where is it being made? You know, how is it happening? Transparency, And and there is people want to know. People want to know, and they, and they will pay extra for something that has a brand behind it. There's the extra
2: experience you were talking exactly. about. They'll pay extra, and to them, that's an experience. Is the experience of feeling good yes. about themselves right. and their connection with right. the right.
1: world's health. Right. You may pay twenty dollars for a pair of slippers uh, versus ten dollars for a pair of slippers because you know that it was made sustainably and ethically, and you're not inadvertently going to be causing a demise of a you know of a country yeah by buying more shoes from them so i think that's that's there but the the way that we can trace things back now with visibility has never been greater i mean if you look at things like <laughs> blockchain technology right. which is you know it gets uh, synonymous with bitcoin and things like that but it's a ledger of record people really can understand exactly where this thing handed off and what yeah. the chain of custody was to understand where we are and if you hear about you know Salmonella outbreaks and recalls and things like that, you know, if you were to rewind five years, six years ago, it would be very difficult to understand how those products affected those certain markets. Sure. And now it's kind of, you know, unfortunately, it's kind of de jour. We understand where it is, but understanding where the, the source to you giving your money for that product, that chain is, is important, more important yeah. to people now than ever before.
3: Right. Perfect.
2: I think you can wrap it up with your 2021 question. Okay. Unless you have something else. No,
3: it's perfect. So if you look at a bigger scope of our industry as in retail, um, technology, innovation, what do you see within three years? Mm Because really a lot can change. Mm -hmm. Um, The growth has been pretty exponential. And what is the most exciting thing to you, but also um, what is brewing up there that you are excited to apply maybe to one of your clients? Sure.
1: So I think, you know, what we'll, we'll see and what I want to see, what I'd actively help people is right. uh, really bringing the technologies out of the screen in your pocket or even now on your wrist, mm-hmm. or, you know, into something like hearables and wearable technology, augmented sure. reality technology. But having the store, the physical experience, be smart enough to help the associates understand uh, what they should be doing and using mm-hmm. that in a real-time decision from data, from algorithms, however they want to put it together to say this is the best way to go forward mm-hmm. um, and then combining all of those different physical footprints into kind of like the corporate bubble so that they can make s- smarter, faster decisions. And that's, you know, is it will be a very significant seed change over the next three years totally. in order for these companies to be able to do that. A lot of them aren't, used to moving that quickly um but they're going to they're, they're going to have to find themselves having to do that right. um you know i think it also brings up kind of the uh the big brother minority report aspect of it is yes. how much is too much exactly. and um you know, in my opinion we haven't even crossed how much is too much i've not seen an experience that is so uh you know scary to people that they don't want to participate you know disney for example i think is probably doing one of the best ways of understanding their guests and knowing where they are at any moment and people appreciate it you know they pay it and that's part of their experience the fact that i don't have to wait for a shuttle bus uh much longer because they know that there is a, a concentration of people there makes me happy right totally makes
3: your life so much easier yeah.
1: the fact that they know when i leave my hotel room and where i'm eating and, mm-hmm. and you know how many times i go to the bathroom I push that to the back of my mind because, (laughs) hey, you know, there's Mickey Mouse and and a shuttle bus waiting for me. So I think that's where all the retailers are going to have to balance where what can they pull off successfully, repeatedly. um, Because that's another part of it is is once I have a good experience, I want to have that experience every time. And if it breaks or fails, I may or may not try it again. If, If I'm investing my time, I need something back. And then I think the other part of it, which I mentioned earlier, is where does that loyalty plan play into it outside of just a pure discount play? How do you recognize me and my repeat behaviors? And in turn, that'll drive loyalty to that brand.
3: Perfect. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And uh,
2: this is this is uh, certainly been a uh, comprehensive and very intriguing look at what's going on within retail, both opportunities and challenges. And I learned that Sean wants to go to Disneyland, I think. Yeah, yeah, very um, much so. All right, we're going to take a quick pause. And when we come back, a quick round of off-the-grid questions. And when we come back, we'll be right back.
5: Hello, world. I'm George Manley, the Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Solar. I have a background in broadcast journalism. I've traveled the world, and I love to write. But more than any of that, I love to have great conversations with interesting people, and I love to learn their stories. I am so thrilled to be working with really interesting people in the social commerce space as a result of this show. Solar is a place where brands and influencers create content to share with their consumer public. Each week, I'll be presenting a story from an interesting person in this space, and the goal is to learn something more about how this industry is evolving. The goal is to learn something more about the creatives behind the creator-influencer space, and the goal is to celebrate the community that is quickly forming on solar.com. I hope you'll enjoy this show. I hope you'll enjoy our conversations. I hope you'll give us feedback. And if your story is interesting enough, I hope you'll join us on another solar story, the art and business of influence. Solar Stories is presented by Solar Inc., and you can find more episodes of Solar Stories and learn more about solar at solar.com. Copyright 2018, Solar Inc., all rights reserved. Thank you for listening.
2: Sean, this is the part of the show where we learn a little bit less about Huge and much more about Sean with a a quick round of off-the-grid questions where we get a little more personal in nature, a little off-the-grid. Neither Natalia nor I know... uh, frankly what we're going to ask you uh <laughs> to get to know you a little bit better um we don't know the order we're going to ask we solve that with a spin of our giant wheel of grid destiny prize wheel of sorts uh we've carted over here from manhattan into williamsburg just for this purpose uh, i'm going to give it a quick spin see who asks the first question and the first question comes from whew, natalia
3: all right sean um what you would be doing if you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now? What are the other uh, paths? he would be yeah.
1: at Disneyland, <laughs> Yeah, really, I'd be running a ride Good at Disneyland. Point. Um, <laughs> I've always had a, uh, a passion for music. I, I myself oh. am, am mm. not a musician, unfortunately, but I do think that the music mm. and the music business and where it's going and the entertainment, it brings people. I think people can really change people's lives even so i would probably Absolutely. be somewhere in the music business uh maybe on technology bent but uh that would yeah that's probably where i would land
3: we're sitting at the micro- microphone now you can practice yeah there you time. go you yeah helpful. you don't want to hear me sing. that. <laughs> yeah, we'll just sit back enjoy
2: uh all right another meaningless spin of the wheel well it's not another meaningless spin it's, it's meaningful it's, it's meaningful and i didn't mean to insinuate your spin was meaningless in the <laughs> Uh, and that of course lands on me. My question, Sean, is this, um, you, you do travel. Mm-hmm. You travel quite a bit. I do. Uh, I'm going to ask you one of my favorite questions. That is what connects every place that you go for you? When you go somewhere, what do you need to do in every city that you go to that, that makes you feel like you?
1: Right, right. So A number one, you have to get out of the hotel. Even if it's one evening, you need to go out and and walk around. Um, Usually, I will get on Yelp uh, and try to find something that's unique, new and opening, and just try to get into somewhat of the fabric of the city uh, if you can. Some places are a little more uh, pedestrian than others. But I have to get out, walk around, experience the weather, experience some of the people and that way, I can kind of anchor myself as to having been in the city itself. That's smart. Um, you know, the other part is is I, I really love airports, um, so I try to explore airports if I have time. And um, you know, some airports are better than others, but I just think it's fascinating how these businesses sure. get. They are the in malls of the future. It's unbelievable, yeah. and they just transfer so many people one way uh, every day with efficiency that it just, it blows my mind. So I look at logistics <laughs> and how those people go and I can look out a window and watch airplanes and luggage for hours. Sometimes I have.
2: Fascinating. All right. And, uh, thank you. How can people connect with you and with huge?
1: Uh, so huge is available at huge Um, I am available at S McInerney at huge com. and that's, S-M-C-I-N-E-R-N-E-Y at hugeink.com. Not, not the easiest last name. Um, I really don't have much of a Twitter presence, but uh, um, I am on various social medias. But awesome. if you reach out, we happy to chat.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much, Sean McInerney, uh, the Group Vice President of Technology at Huge Incorporated. Uh, Such a pleasure. Thanks for joining us here at the LEED Summit uh, and enjoy the rest of the day. Great. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, Appreciate it every week. uh, And uh, we hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, for Natalia Makalova.
3: Bye, y'all. Thank you. (laughs)
2: uh, I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: This has been fashion is your business to suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor. Email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at fashion biz show. That's fashion B I Z show episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher and Google Play along with our website fashionisyourbusiness.com is produced by mouth media network. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This
4: is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.